0: Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com.
1: Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Katie Lambert. And I'm Sarah Doughty. And when Meep Geese, who's the woman who hid Anne Frank's family for as long as she could during World War II died in January of this year, it got us thinking about the first time we ever read Anne Frank's diaries and what it meant to us. I had blogged about picking up every Holocaust-related young adult book I could find, A Number of the Stars, The Devil's Arithmetic, Devil in Vienna, The Upstairs Room, but There's another World War II young Jewish diarist I hadn't heard of until our friend Jacob Silverman, a wonderful writer you should look up, mentioned her to me. Her name is Hannah Senesch, and some call her the Joan of Arc of Israel. And when she was younger than we are, she parachuted into Nazi-occupied Europe to try to rescue other Jews. She wrote in a poem a voice called... I went. And how we missed her in history class, I have no idea, but we did. So here's her story. We're
0: going to remedy that. So Hannah Senish was born into a middle-class family in Budapest in July of 1921, and she didn't grow up learning a lot about Judaism. Budapest had a very large Jewish community, but it was mostly assimilated. And her father wrote plays and newspaper columns, so she grew up in this environment where writing was considered a really good way to express yourself. And she started writing poems at age six when her father died about other happy kids and how lucky they were. Really a deep thinker right from the start. She started keeping a
1: diary when she was 13, recording, you know, all the little day-to-day stuff that a 13-year-old girl thinks about But her world was rocked again around that time. She got her first taste of anti-Semitism when she went to a girls' school where Jews were charged three times the tuition as Christians. She was also elected to a post in a literary society, but then another election was held because she was Jewish.
0: And it's around this time, too, that Hungarian anti-Semitic sentiment was growing, and restrictive laws were put into place, Jews were kicked out of their professions, and her brother leaves for France because he's not allowed to go to college, so this family is starting to rebel in smaller ways already.
1: And the Arrow Cross Party emerged in 1939, a fascist party that quickly became popular. We'll come back to them later in the episode. But in 1938, in this environment that's growing increasingly hostile to Jews, our assimilated Hana found Zionism, which, to simplify greatly, is the desire for a Jewish state located in the Jewish homeland of Israel. And just uh, for your information, the state of Israel wasn't established until 1948. So in Hannah's time, today's Israel was under British rule as part of Palestine. So not to confuse you with the terminology later in the podcast.
0: Yeah, and she's this person who's really looking for something to believe in and to give her life meaning. And in her experience, anti-Semitism had been everywhere in Europe. And there was no way to get away from it except to go to a place that was just for the Jewish people.
1: So she started studying Hebrew for the first time and trying to rally her classmates to emigrate to Palestine with her. She applied to agricultural school, of all things, so from academic to farm worker. And to recap our girl's story so far, she found a cause and a new interest in religion. She wanted to leave her home and everything she knew, and she was ready to put down her books and pick up a shovel.
0: But she's got a lot of bureaucratic obstacles to actually get all the way to Palestine. And she eventually does get there. She sends her mother lots of letters. Some of them are written with these little illustrations chronicling her daily life. So still keeping these very detailed entries of everything that's happening to her. She also writes more poetry. So we have a Pretty good idea of your not-so-average person's personal feelings and trouble, and also just the climate of the time. What was going on then? Hannah left the farm for a kibbutz, and while she liked it, she was
1: lonely. She was extremely idealistic, according to others who were there even for idealists. And she was also worried that she'd never see her mother and brother again, and that perhaps she'd been selfish in her desire to leave. Starting
0: to have second thoughts about this huge step she had made in her life.
1: Especially as the war heated up, and she didn't hear from her brother anymore. And from Hungary's side, her mother starts getting shorter and shorter letters, and then they stop completely. So this split family. All three of them are in completely separate places, and none of them are in communication. None of them knows what's going on with the others.
0: And this is somewhat surprising for the time, because Hungarian Jews had seemed relatively safe from the atrocities going on. To give a little bit of background, their prime minister
1: from 1939 to 1941, Paul Teleki, whose name I may have completely mangled, had allowed anti-Jewish laws to be enacted. But he'd also jailed many members of the Arrow Cross Party and worked very hard to try to keep Hungary autonomous during this time. And when the Germans marched into Hungary on their way to invading Yugoslavia in April 1941, he killed himself. And his successor, Laszlo Bardosi, followed a policy of appeasement. At which point, Hungary joined the Germans in their war and Jews started being deported. But his successor, Miklos Kale, in March 1942, went more in the opposite direction. He walked the line between appeasement and opposition, and he refused to deport the Jews. He, he stopped that practice during his time.
0: So while we have this back and forth going on in Hungary, back in Palestine, stories are starting to trickle in with the Polish people about the horrors happening in Nazi-occupied Europe and the ghettos and the killings. And the Jews in Palestine are obviously determined to help. They've got to do something. Hannah tried to get her mother out of Hungary, but the
1: immigration certificate never came. So she decided that she had to go back to organize a resistance movement in her country and rescue her mother. And to put these events in the context of a timeline, according to the documentary film, Blessed is the Match, which you should definitely watch. In January 1942, 80% of the Jews who would die in the Holocaust were still alive. And in 15 months, those statistics were totally reversed. 80% were dead and only 20% alive. So this all
0: happened very quickly. So in response to the final solution, which is starting to go into effect here, wanting to do something to help, Hannah joins the Haganah, which is a Jewish military force. But then she finds another opportunity.
1: The Brits were looking for volunteers to go to the Balkans and contact partisan resistance fighters to aid in allied efforts. And Hannah and the other Palestinians wanted to get in the same area, but with the aim of rescuing their Jewish brethren in trouble. So these two. Desires coincided a bit, and she and the other 30-odd volunteers who were willing to risk their lives began training in parachuting so they could get behind enemy lines, and Hana would also be in charge of radio communications for her group.
0: And the last photo of her ever taken was the day before her mission to Yugoslavia began. And her brother had just arrived in Palestine, and it was the first time they'd seen each other in years. And unfortunately, it would also be the last, because she and her fellow parachutists landed on March Fourteenth, 1944. And by the 19th, the German troops entered Hungary. So... Terrible timing. Hannah cries. I mean, just imagine she's just arrived. There's not enough time to go to all the Jews and try to build up some sort of resistance.
1: And almost immediately, the Germans set up a new, very sympathetic to them government and encouraged the Arrow Crossers, our fascist from earlier, who immediately began robbing and killing Jews. And even more laws were set in place. In addition to those barring Jews from professions and owning property, they had to wear the yellow stars. There were deportations, arrests, murders. People were put in ghettos. There were restrictions on leaving the house. And it's important to know that things were fast-tracked, really, in Hungary. The Germans showed signs of weakness, and Allied hope for their defeat was growing. So the Germans, the arrow crossers, and their other collaborators had to do their damage quickly. They have the Allies breathing down their backs. Right. So more than 4,000 Hungarian Jews were sent to concentration camps in just two months.
0: But none of this had happened yet when Hanna decided to actually cross the border into Hungary. And Anyone who was paying attention knew that it would happen, though. It was it was clear that it was coming. And so it was a very brave thing for her to do. A lot of her parachutist companions said it was too dangerous. And she knew that when she left, there was a great risk of being killed, but she goes anyways. And she's only 22 years old. And she
1: gave what's probably her most famous poem, Blessed is the Match, to one of the men before she left, And it goes, blessed is the match consumed in kindling flame. Blessed is the flame that burns in the secret fastness of the heart. Blessed is the heart with strength to stop its beating for honor's sake. Blessed is the match consumed in kindling flame. And according to the documentary, she handed this piece of paper to her fellow parachutist. And he just sort of threw it in the bushes and went on his way. But he realized that he had to go back. He just had a feeling and went back and searched through all of these bushes till he found that little piece of paper and found her poem.
0: So unsurprisingly, Hana is caught. She knew she probably would be when she signed on for this mission. And the Gestapo wanted her transmitter codes, but she wouldn't give them up, and she didn't want to give up the other people in her mission. And so she's brutally beaten and tortured. All of her teeth are knocked out. And even when she's being interrogated every day, she would not break and give up the codes.
1: They took her to Budapest, and once they found out who she was, brought her mother in, thinking they could use her against Hannah And her mother, of course, didn't know anything. She had thought Hannah was still in Palestine. What a
0: surprise that must have been for A terrible terrible surprise. But
1: she wouldn't, of course, press her for information either. So they both ended up in jail. And... Well, it must have been incredibly difficult to see each other in those kinds of circumstances. It must also have been a comfort because they could see each other through their windows sometimes or
0: in the prison yard. Hannah made really good use of those windows, too. She used them to signal information about the outside world to the other inmates. Of course, she's being kept in very close quarters, but she's exposed to a lot of really important, really secret information, and she's able to pass that on to other people. Right, because
1: she's still being interrogated every day, so she has the opportunity for at least someone to whisper something to her, or perhaps overhear other things that the guards are saying. So she tries to give her fellow inmates hope, and she drew a star of David on her dirty window at some point, because she didn't have to wear the yellow stars like the others did, but she wanted to let them know that she was Still part of them. And she also tried to entertain her cellmates, teaching them Hebrew, telling them about Palestine, writing little pieces and having them put them on, and even lied to a woman in the prison yard saying that she, her teeth had always been knocked out. You know, they weren't knocked out by someone who was interrogating her, so perhaps she wouldn't be as scared.
0: Meanwhile, things in Hungary are getting worse, and the region of Hungary, who was working on a separate piece, was overthrown, and the arrow crossers took over, and they roped Jews together and put them in the Danube, shooting every other one and letting the others sink. Uh, So still continuing on this rapid-fire extermination. And eventually,
1: Hannah's mother, Catherine, was released, but Hannah would stay in prison to be tried for treason. So in August 1944, the pro-Nazi government in Hungary started showing cracks. In July, there had been another attempt on Hitler's life as part of Operation Valkyrie, and it had become clear that Germany was close to losing the war. And as a Further, ray of hope for Hana, the Soviets had entered Hungary in September, and she was still in jail, but it seemed like she might get out. She
0: still has a trial to go through, though, and her trial is a closed military tribunal in October 1944, and she wouldn't plead for her life. But interestingly, they do not sentence her, and the judges flee the country, so it's seeming like perfect timing, finally, for once. It seems like she might actually get out.
1: And she's still keeping her diary, which is part of the reason that she's so famous. We have this very clear record of everything she's been doing day by day. And she wrote that she wasn't sure if she believed in a god, but she believed that the world was created for good, despite everything. And that also reminded me of the famous Anne Frank quote about still believing that people are good at heart. And she wrote another poem she's well known for during this time, saying that she would have been 23, but I gambled on what mattered most. The dice were cast. I lost. And despite the fact that her judges had fled, there was one man who had it in for her and he made sure she was executed on November 7th, 1944. And it said that she refused a blindfold.
0: In a week after she was killed, her mom was sent on a death march to Austria. This is another amazing story. She manages to escape and finally reaches Palestine. And in 1950, Hannah's body was returned to Israel, and she's buried there along with seven of the other parachutists who had volunteered with the British Army. And as for
1: Hungary, the Soviets drove the last of the Germans and the Aero Crossers out in February 1945. And in 1941, there had been 725,000 Jews in Hungary. By the end of the war, only 260,000 were left, tens of thousands more left after the war. But today, Budapest has the largest Jewish population in Eastern Europe, according to the Jewish Virtual Library. Part of the reason why Hannah Senesch is perhaps more famous than the other parachutists in her group, or even... That mission is because of all those records she kept, because of the journal she kept until the day she died and her poems and her other writings. And despite the fact that we hadn't known who she was, she is a huge figure in Jewish history. And in times when anti-Semitic sentiment is far from gone, you know, last year there was that shooting at the Holocaust Museum in Washington, D.C. and also last year, the Budapest memorial to the thousands of Jews killed in the Danube was vandalized. The steel shoes symbolizing the victims were filled with pig's feet. In the face of those sentiments, it's encouraging to remember the bravery of people like Hanna Senesh and like Neep Geese. So on that somber note, we're going to go to happier things like listener mail. <laughs>
0: So since Hanna was a Hungarian poet, we thought it would be appropriate to mention a very interesting real mail that we got from Troy in Atlanta. He sent us a tricorn hat made of paper and suggested that we cover the topic of the 20th century modernist poet Marianne Moore. And
1: we tried to wear this hat, but our heads are too big for it, we think, because of all of our brains. Full of brains. And it also reminded us of this guy who lived somewhere in the dorms at UGA who wore a tricorn hat every day. So, Troy, if it's you, let us know. I had
0: completely forgotten about him
1: until now, but it's pretty memorable. (laughs) We also sent us some patterns for a tricorn hat, so we might try to make our own later. If you'd like to send us some email, you can get us at HistoryPodcast at HowStuffWorks.com. We've also got a Twitter feed at Missed in History and a Facebook fan page at History Class Stuff. And we have an article that might interest you if you're into World War II stuff. Are there Nazi war criminals still at large? Which you can find on our homepage at www.HowStuffWorks.com.